What does the Congressional Budget Proposal mean for students and families in the United States? How does the submarine deal with Australia impact the future of French-American relations? Good evening, and welcome to your weekly political briefing, a podcast discussing current political events in America and around the world. I'm Christine Sells. And I'm Andrew Thompson. Today is Tuesday, October 5th. We know there have been recent developments in the U.S. Congress. So what are the specifics, Andrew? Congressional Democrats are hoping to pass the Build Back Better plan a budget proposal which would cost taxpayers $3.5 trillion, but is crucial to President Joe Biden's domestic agenda. The government spending would be applied over a 10-year period and would likely include measures to expand access to education, health care, changing the child care support system, investing in infrastructure, and combating climate change. Although the House Budget Committee approved the measure, Scott Peters, a Democrat from San Diego, California, joined all Republicans in opposing the measure. This move reflects how some moderate Democrats are concerned with the bill due to its high price tag and progressive ideals. The bill would provide universal preschool to all Americans and tuition-free community college. Most Democrats appear to be on board with these provisions, but moderates are worried about the climate provisions. If the bill is passed, the royalty rate for oil and gas developers would be raised to 20%, and non-competitive leases for development on public lands would also be banned. However, the federal government would be empowered to hold lease sales for offshore wind development. It would also provide $3.5 billion for climate jobs, including a special climate corps in charge of wildfire preparation, forest management conservation, and the protection of tribal lands. Another significant portion of the bill is dedicated to retirement funds. In 2023, employers with five or more employees would be mandated to automatically enroll employees in a retirement plan, which would divert 6% of their pay into this account. Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi acknowledges the sentiments of moderates and says that negotiating the bill to cost less, quote, seems self-evident. Nonetheless, she is hoping to pass the bill as soon as possible. Senators Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema claim that the bill costs too much money. Manchin hopes the bill could be amended to cost $1 to $1.5 trillion, but Democratic leadership noted that the initial proposal would have cost $6 trillion before they compromised to the current plan. Progressives such as Bernie Sanders are advocating to maintain the current version of the bill. On Friday, President Biden met with Democratic members of Congress to negotiate the proposal. According to ABC News, the president is willing to lower the cost to $1.9 or $2.2 trillion as a compromise. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer assured progressives that leadership will make a, quote, generational transformation in many key areas of consideration for them. In order to pass the bill, the president needs all 50 Democratic senators to support the measure. No Republican has to vote for the measure because it is being passed by the reconciliation process. Andrew, what is this process? The reconciliation process originally allowed the Senate to pass budget bills once every two years with only a simple majority vote of 51 votes. This allows bills to be voted on without the threat of the filibuster, as was demonstrated by the passage of Obamacare in 2010 and the Trump tax cuts in 2017. However, the Senate parliamentarian recently ruled that the process can be utilized more than once if a new bill is drafted as an amendment to an initial reconciliation bill. Since the Democrats passed their COVID-19 plan via reconciliation, they are positioned to use it again. Republicans argue that the Democrats' proposal would, quote, waste money, raise economic wounding taxes, 
fuel inflation, and codify far-left dictates that would harm Americans. Despite their opposition to this bill, Senate Republicans supported a bipartisan infrastructure bill which costs only $1 trillion. The House is expected to pass this regardless of the fate of the $3.5 trillion plan. Due to the high price tag of the proposal, the Democrats are also aiming to raise the debt ceiling. The Treasury warns that the U.S. government will be unable to pay all of its obligations if the ceiling is not raised, since the agency will exhaust its borrowing capacity in October. John Yarmuth, the chair of the House Budget Committee, believes that the debt ceiling provision may be added to the reconciliation bill, or could be set aside as its own appropriations measure. Representative Yarmuth said, quote, I don't think that decision has been made yet. We have several options for raising the debt ceiling, which is absolutely mandatory. Democratic members of Congress hope to raise the debt ceiling in a bipartisan fashion, while Republicans plan to sink the procedural vote. The House passed the measure on September 21st, but Republican opposition will make it hard to pass the Senate. Despite opposing the call to raise the debt ceiling, a handful of Senate Republicans joined the Democrats on Thursday to prevent a government shutdown by voting for a stopgap funding bill, which extends government funding until December 3rd. However, House progressives threatened to block the bipartisan infrastructure measure if the Build Back Better plan would not be voted on. In fact, these threats influenced Speaker Pelosi to postpone the vote for the bipartisan plan. The speaker said, quote, clearly the bipartisan infrastructure bill will pass once we have agreement on the reconciliation bill. Meanwhile, the future of U.S.-French relations remains in turmoil due to the recent controversy surrounding a submarine deal. In order to join a new submarine deal with the United States and United Kingdom, Australia left the Future Submarine Program, a $66 million deal which called on France to aid in Australia's replacement of six older Collins-class submarines with 12 diesel-electric models. Australia originally preferred France's deal over competing offers provided by Germany and Japan. Nonetheless, the nation joined AUKUS, a security pact with the US and UK announced on the 15th of September. This pact calls for the creation of nuclear-powered submarines for Australia, technology which France cannot provide by itself. The French government is outraged by the New Deal since they claim they were not given warning of their deal's cancellation and were not included in negotiations. Due to this outrage and the fact that thousands in France's defense industry will be affected, France recalled its ambassadors from the U.S. and Australia. On Thursday, French Ambassador Philippe Etienne announced his return to the United States. He tweeted that rebuilding the relationship between France and the United States will, quote, involve a great deal of work. The ambassador met with U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken, while French President Macron met with President Biden. Both conversations resulted in the leaders agreeing to openly cooperate in an attempt to heal the relationship. However, France's defense minister claimed that the announcement of the New Deal was, quote, not a mystery. As a result of the deal, the French government plans to discuss the situation with NATO and the United Kingdom to come to an agreement. In fact, Secretary Blinken is traveling to Paris this week with other U.S. officials to promote these discussions. In spite of these events reflecting progress in the mending of the alliance, widespread criticism of American values is on display in France. For example, President Macron is painting political correctness in the United States as a dangerous woke culture. Le Spectacle du Monde, a leading magazine in France, ran a cover story which criticized America's alleged collapse into wokeism. 
Even the delegate minister for gender equality and diversity, Elizabeth Moreno, a black woman born in Cape Verde, agrees with these sentiments. In a televised interview, she rejected cancel culture because it can, quote, kick out people from ongoing debates because they think otherwise. The French Minister for European and Foreign Affairs, Jean-Yves Lachillon, made a statement regarding France's response to the submarine deal fiasco. During said statement, he called the new Australian and U.S. partnership, quote, unacceptable behavior among partners and allies. The request to pull the ambassadors came from a direct request from President Emmanuel Macron. This marks the first time in history that France has recalled its U.S. envoy. Pentagon spokesperson John Kirby also spoke during a press conference in regards to the tension with France over the deal. He said that officials are still in touch with France and that there is, quote, much work to do in regards to shared challenges and interests with the French. Even Australia seems disappointed with France's reaction. An Australian foreign ministry spokesperson said in a statement that, quote, Australia values its relationship with France and that they regret France's decision to recall its ambassador. Australia will face some challenges due to the withdrawal from the initial proposal. Specifically, a French defense contractor has promised to obtain millions from cancellation fees which Australia now owes them. Another challenge Australia faces involves the European Union, which halted its trade talks with the Pacific nation due to the rejection of France's submarine plan. France is the United States' first and oldest ally, as the nation has supported the U.S. since the Revolutionary War. This makes France's decision to recall its ambassadors all the more upsetting for both nations. France's history with the United States makes it easy to see why they might feel cheated by the decision to exclude them from the new submarine deal. As for the U.S., it would certainly not like to lose its oldest ally, which explains the decision to keep in close contact with French officials. That's all for today's episode. We would like to thank our staff, Celeste Rosendale, Lawton Bauer, Trenton Warnock, Keith Ackles, Ian Mitchell, and Mylena Furman. I'm Christine Sells. And I'm Andrew Thompson. Thanks for tuning in, and be sure to tune in next Tuesday.